This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome, guys. It is now time for Encounter with God here on The Breakfast Show. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Liam. Quick reminder that, of course, this Saturday morning, that is tomorrow morning, Matt Parra and myself will be right here, small group Bible study. This is where it is going to be happening, and we are hoping that you will join us, that we will be your small group Bible study for the day, and that you'll be giving us a call to share your thoughts on the Bible study subject that we're going to be digging into. Indeed. So, so this will be uh, a replacement for, of course, your worship experience. Uh, many people are used to having a, a weekly worship experience uh, at church where they have a small group Bible study at church. And so we replace that for you on a Saturday morning right here. Okay, Liam, next clue for our quiz. Okay, dokie, here we go. Uh, I am a doctor. This person is a doctor. Okay, that narrows it down, guys. There's not too many of those in the Bible, so give us a call right now, 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or text us on 0491-064-669 if you know the answer. And you will have a Doug Batchelor DVD coming your way. Indeed. Okay, what else is happening that we need to remind people about? The app. We haven't talked about the app for a while. We probably should mention the app. No, we haven't. And uh, the app, of course... Is the best way to get Faith FM live if you are in an area that does not get it live. So if you're in an area that receives the delayed broadcast, then this is a fantastic way. The app or the website is a fantastic way to uh, listen to us live, uh, free as well. So the app is Faith FM Australia. Must must include Australia in the end, otherwise you might find something else. And the the app you're looking for is a black, it's a, sorry, it's a white background with a red squiggly line. And the website is faithfm.com.au. There you go. All right, so faithfm.com.au, and you can simply press uh, play if you go there or grab the app. And those are the two ways that you can listen to Faith FM online wherever you are in Australia. Lots of people listening via the app right now. Okay, where are we up to in our study? We are picking up a question that we kind of looked at in detail last week, and we're going to continue on this week. Uh, as Seventh-day Adventist, and as an Adventist station, one of the founders of our church was a lady by the name of Ellen White, Ellen White. Uh, living in the 1800s, who we uh, see as being inspired. Yeah. And the reason being is she wrote so much that kind of, She's not never got anything wrong. No, you know she wrote all of this information on health and you know so many different aspects, uh, particularly on Christianity, and wrote some of the greatest books. In fact, she was one of the most prolific female writers of all time, uh, particularly in the United States, and uh, has contributed so much to the world. And I think most of the other female people that have written significant books, it's more been in the sciences than anything else. Yeah, and um, and not so much during the eighteen hundreds. No. This was a, this was a time in modern where in, in today's culture it's a lot more common. Absolutely, uh, you know, and and it's strongly encouraged that, that women and men are equal of of all, of all sorts. Uh, but back in the eighteen hundreds, it was a different time with different standards. Yeah, they didn't get to vote or anything like that. They you know couldn't 
you know, sit on a jury. And Absolutely. And so Ellen White, on on. being a woman, it was very, very, it was strange back then for her to be so prolific and so significant in what, uh, in what she was saying. She was co-founder of one of the, or the world's most widely distributed religion, uh, co-founder of, or, you know, prime, prime mover behind, you know, one of the la- largest private medical systems in the world and second largest private educational system in the world. You know, these are not insignificant feats for a Victorian era woman to accomplish. She's very, she's very important. She's Put a lot of put a lot of industry here to uh, this region that we're living in right now. You know, established the health food movement, established the health spa movement. Um, you know, all of this back in the Victorian era, all in an era when you know the drugs that they were using back then were just pretty much straight out poison. They kill you. Yeah. Uh, the medical practices had a lot to be desired. They, they hadn't even discovered things like hand washing until about halfway through her life. They promoted smoking. Promoted smoking as being good for your health. Absolutely. Uh, you've got athletes who were competing in the Olympics who would smoke cigarettes before they ran because it was thought that it would stimulate their lungs. Yeah. What a fail that was. Indeed. Ellen White was saying, no, this is a poisonous of the most deceitful and malignant kind. In other words, cancerous kind. And, of course, now, you know, here in Australia, we have very, very strict uh, legislation on smoking and would love to see it outlawed altogether. And I think that the majority of people that smoke today, it is as a result of, of what happened back then, you know. They're, they're, that generation smoked. Their children then, you know. People kind of grow up with it. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it just sort of gets passed on from one generation to the other. But the majority of people I, I meet who smoke don't actually really want to. They kind of wish they didn't. Yeah. In fact, I don't know that I've met anyone for many, many years who's like, yeah, I like smoking. I intend to keep smoking. And, you know, I don't think it's going to kill me. I, I, I just haven't met anyone like that. So, you know, this is um, – this is something where she was just light years ahead of her time. And so, you know, we've got good reason to say that, you know, we believe this person was uh, definitely inspired, uh, particularly in what she had to say about the Bible. So the question is, when you get somebody who's inspired, does that then mean, how do they then relate to the Bible? So I want to read here a statement that she makes um, and this is in one of the books that uh, we have, which is kind of like a compilation of material called Testimonies, Volume 2, page 605. There's nine volumes of these, amazing to read. Um, you are not familiar with the Scriptures. If you had made God's Word your study with a desire to reach the Bible standard and to attain to Christian perfection, you would not have needed the Testimonies, speaking about what she's writing. It is because you have neglected to acquaint yourself with God's inspired book that is sought to reach you by simple, direct testimonies. And so this was Ellen White's purpose, was always to point people back to the Bible. In the book uh, Great Controversy, she made a very direct statement in relationship to the Bible, where she said this, In our time there is a wide departure from Protestant doctrines and precepts. And there is a need to return to the great Protestant principle, the Bible and the Bible only as the rule of faith and duty. Okay, so let's summarize a little bit of what we learnt last Friday. 
When it comes to uh, the gift of prophecy, the gift of prophecy obviously begins with Moses, uh, as far as you know, the written gift of prophecy. And every person who is uh, who has the gift of prophecy continues from there and builds on the writings of the books of Moses. As you come down through, when you're looking at those those who have the gift of prophecy, you're going to find that in the Bible there are two categories of prophets. You have canonical and non-canonical prophets. Now, uh, the word canon has nothing to do with a big gun. No. It simply means a rule or a standard by which you measure something. And the Bible is our canon. It is the standard by which we measure everything. And so those prophets who wrote for all time, their works constitute a part of the Bible, which is the book for all time. Those prophets that did not write for all time, that only wrote for a specific time, their works are not a part of the Bible. They were non-canonical prophets, and they wrote for their time. So the two different kinds of prophets you've got here is those that wrote for all time in the Bible, those that wrote for their time, not in the Bible. And so the Bible talks about, uh, in, and, and let's, let's actually look at this one again uh, very quickly. Um, if, uh, Liam, if you could go to First Chronicles 29, verse 29. Let's flick over there real quick. Let's look in First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 29. Just as an example of this, because some people are kind of unfamiliar with uh, non-canonical prophets and the role that they play and where you find them in the Bible. Okay, what have you got for us there, Liam? Verse 29, uh, chapter 20, First Chronicles 29, verse 29. That's the one? Okay, here we go. I it's, think it's the one. It says, All the events of King David's reign from the beginning to the end are written in the record of Samuel the seer, the record of Nathan the prophet, and the record of Gad the seer. Okay, the word seer is another word for prophet. Yeah. Okay, so you could, you could say all the works of David, they're written in the uh, record of Samuel yes. the prophet. Of Nathan the prophet and of Gad the prophet. So yes. these are three prophets that uh, were alive at different times during the reign of King David. And you could go to those three prophets and read the story of David right there. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so you've got these uh, three prophets. Out of these three, how many of them were canonical prophets? Uh, one of them. And who was that? Samuel. Samuel. We have the two books of Samuel, First and Second Samuel, where you can write, read all about King David. There, there is still mention of, of the, other pro, the other people existing. Oh, absolutely. But their books we, aren't featured. We even have portions of what they said. Yeah. Uh, we have you know, a whole section by Nathan where he tells a parable. You have some prophecies by Gad. Uh, these are mentioned in the Bible. But you don't have the book of Nathan, neither do you have the book of Gad. Why don't you have the book of Nathan or the book of Gad? The answer is so simple. It is because these were non-canonical prophets. They wrote for their time. Their information was not relevant for all time, so their works did not become a part of the book for all time. It stayed for their time. Are there any versions of the Bible that do have these books? So it's quite consistent that it, these aren't featured. Yeah, and sometimes you will find books that do go by the names of other books that are mentioned in the Bible. For instance, the book of Enoch. Yes. Uh, 
Okay, so you can you can jump online. You can read the Book of Enoch, and the Book of Enoch is well, not so much the Book of Enoch, but the words of Enoch are referenced, which you know is a very strong indication of the existence of a book. Are referenced in the Book of Jude. Uh, just before Revelation, you'll find that he talks about um, Enoch. And so there are those who are like, well, why do we not include the book of Enoch in the Bible? The answer is very simple. The book of Enoch that we have today, which comes from about the 2nd century BC, is not the book that Enoch wrote. Yep. And it is not the book that Jude is quoting from. No. It is a later book that was a forgery that the Jewish people themselves who, you know, this was their book, they don't claim it as being a part of Scripture. They don't claim it as being inspired. And so they reject the book of Enoch. And we can do the same as well, simply because we can take the book of Enoch. We can compare it, first of all, to the books of Moses and then to all of those books that precede it and find that it contradicts the Bible. It does not fit the unity of the Bible. And so, therefore, we reject it. Yeah. Simple as that. Indeed. Okay, so the question is, well, what about you know somebody who claims to have the gift of prophecy in our day? And last week we looked at some of the tests of a prophet, and the Bible gives you know pretty much the highest uh, tests of a prophet that there are, you know, uh, for, for any gift of the Spirit. Yeah. With the other gifts of the Spirit, in fact, the Bible actually doesn't really apply tests as such. Yep. It's just like, well, these are the gifts of the Spirit. But when it comes to the gift of prophecy, it says, no, anybody who claims to have the gift of prophecy, you need to, need to apply very specific tests to them. We're going to summarize those very quickly. But maybe one of the reasons why is that Paul describes the gift of prophecy as the most important of all the gifts. Indeed. And the Bible mentions this gift 530 times. You know, you compare that to the five places in the Bible where you find the gift of tongues, and it gives you a little bit of perspective on it. Uh, so 1 Corinthians 14, Paul, yeah, he repeatedly refers to it as the greatest of all of the gifts. The, there's, there's a couple of questions here, and that, and that is this. Should we expect to have the gift of prophecy just before Jesus comes back? Now let's say let's 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 just say we've you know if we look at the Bible as a whole just as a big picture, is that something we would expect and why? If so, why? I I think so because you know we're getting down towards it might not be you know back when when Daniel was prophesying things he was predicting things it, it was prophesying things that were happening thousands and thousands of years that's right ahead. I don't know if there were a prof- and, and he prophesies in very broad in a very broad picture, yeah, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. If there were a prophet if, if there were to be someone that were to proclaim that they had the gift of prophecy nowadays, I don't know if it would be quite a significant uh, look into the future. I think it, it it would be much closer. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and when I say closer, you know, a hundred years to or, or if that. Hey, if somebody turned up with the gift of prophecy today, it could be in. Five years, ten Five years, years yeah. one year. Who knows? That's it. You know, we just do not know, but we do know that we're living in the end of time and that the last, you know, the last events will be very, very rapid and we've seen in our world with coronavirus just how fast things can change. Okay, so let's look at God's model. It's often important when you're studying the Bible to look at 
God's method of how God works. Yes. Now, let's think of some of the great events in the Bible. Let me give some of the... List off a couple of the really, really big, significant events in the Bible. Uh, well, going right from the beginning, there's the uh, creation. That was yep. a pretty big event. That's right. Uh, then also, we can't really count the creation though, because you can't really have somebody there with a the gift of prophecy, can you? Because no. So going to the, if we're going to find someone that's got the, the gift of prophecy, Daniel was very significant in the story of Daniel. Yeah, let's go back to creation. Back to creation. Work your way chronologic from there. What's the next big event after creation? Uh, big the, event. The big event. The flood. The flood. The flood. Did we have when, when God's going to flood the world? Did He send somebody with a gift of prophecy? He, uh, I don't think so. Yes, yes. Well, he had Noah. Absolutely. And Noah, Noah said that. Well, yeah, Noah was a, absolutely. And Noah he was, was only. He, how long did it take him to build the ark? Sorry, one hundred and twenty years. One hundred twenty so years. He's, he's building the ark. So that's how many years. years of prophecy he had. Yeah, that's a very very significant prophet. And Methuselah as well. Methuselah's name simply means, you know, when I die, it will come. Yeah. Um, so named by his father Enoch, who was a prophet. And so what you've got is a sequence of three prophets here that are all dealing with the issue of the flood. So when God is, this is the principle you're going to find. When God is going to do something big, he sends someone with the gift of prophecy. Next big event, let's work our way through it, would probably be the Israelite captivity in Egypt. Yep. With with going from from Joseph to Moses, yes, the whole transition and does God send a prophet? Process of that, uh, Moses. Oh well, ah uh, yes, God sends a prophet at the end, but does He send one at the beginning? Joseph was a prophet. He uh, prophesied the well. Abraham, you're, Ab- looking, you're looking for Abraham. I'm looking. For, okay, I'm looking. For you're looking for Abraham. I was thinking about how Joseph prophesied the uh, the seven years of famine. Because in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13 and 14, yeah, you're right. Joseph was a prophet, but Abraham is the one who prophesies the captivity, and he prophesies that they'll be in captivity for 400 years in Egypt. Yes, it's a prophecy that is given. Yeah. Well, it's a prophecy that's given to Abraham, who then gives it to. That's how prophecy works. When throughout the the, the process of, of the Israelites coming to Egypt, when did they go into slavery? Because I, I can't imagine that they go into slavery as soon as they got there. Because Joseph was quite a significant man after Joseph's death. So was it as soon as Joseph died? It was not were, long after Joseph. They were died. sort of like, hang on, something's not quite right here. Yeah, we're out of balance. That's just uh, we'll, we'll, there's more of these people than there is of us. Okay, and it's the same old argument. They're outbreeding us, you know. We'll make them our slaves. Yep. Fair enough. That was, uh, was, that was what took place there. All right, so let's think of another big event. Let's think of... Let's, the, go, with, let's go with the, uh, the Jewish captivity in Babylon. Yes. Is that, that's more around uh, Daniel's time. That's Daniel's time, time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, Daniel, he was contemporary to that event, but he was not the prophet of that event. No. There were two prophets of those events. Of that event. Uh, can you remember who they are? It's Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Yes. So Jeremiah and Ezekiel are the two prophets of that particular event. And then you have another two at the end of that event called Haggai and Zechariah. Yes. Okay, here's, a, here's an easy one. Uh, the first coming of Jesus. Uh, that was prophesied in Isaiah. Yep, but who was the prophet that was there when it happened? Uh, I can't remember this one. It's John the Baptist. John, yes, that, that's the one. Yes. <laughs> Quick mind blank there. Okay, so you've got John the Baptist who comes um, at the beginning of you know Jesus' ministry to... Herod oh, right, the first coming. I thought you were talking about Jesus, uh, Jesus coming as a baby. That's what I thought you were talking about. 
I am kind of. And John yeah, the yeah, well, yeah, John the Baptist comes when he comes as Messiah. Yeah, okay, yep. I see. Yep. Yeah, okay, so, um, so here's the model that you've got. Yes. And, and we're going to look at two different models here, but we're going to look at this one first. Whenever God is going to do something big, he sends a prophet to guide God's people through that event. Okay? So whenever God is going to do something big, anywhere in the history of God's people, he sends a prophet to give guidance for that event. Do we have a big event coming up soon? I, I think so. Oh, the Bible says so. Um, doesn't matter what we think. The Bible says that Jesus is coming soon, so we should expect the gift of prophecy to be alive and well right now. This is uh, Matt Minicus featuring Clint McCoy, What Heavenly Music. This is a song written about one of Ellen White's visions by her husband. What heavenly music stills over the sea Entrancing the senses like sweet melody Tis the voice of the angels born soft on the air For me they are singing their welcome I hear of old Jordan here gazing I stand and earnestly longing I stretch forth my hand send a convoy of angels dear Jesus I pray let me join that sweet music come take me Surges I'll brave For that heavenly music Hath ravished me so I must join in that chorus I'll go, let me go I must join in that chorus I'll go Let me go What heavenly music 
music stills over the sea Welcome back, guys. You're listening to Matt Minicus and Clint McCoy with What Heavenly Music. And as we get back into our Bible study for the day, if you've got questions on this subject, we would love to hear them. Uh, simply give us a call on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. All right. We've got Next a winner clue. for our quiz. Oh, we do. We've got a winner. We do. We do. So congratulations to Gary from Flinders Park in South Australia. He correctly guessed Luke. Fantastic, so, Gary. Doug Batchelor coming. Nice, guys. Doug Batchelor DVD coming Indeed. your way. That's and the one. Yeah. So, moving on with Encounter this morning. Yeah, don't forget to tune in tomorrow oh, morning. Oh, yeah, that's right. Tomorrow, tomorrow morning. 9.30, 10.30. With our wonderful Lyle, with our wonderful Matt. Matt Parra will be joining us right here in the studio for... Uh, You're just trying to make me feel... You're just trying to put me off, right? A little bit. Well, <laughs> we had the interview earlier where, where you stepped out for a minute and... Uh, yeah, I couldn't really interview myself. No, so... But it was um, a really important project that we've got coming on. It on was at indeed. the end. Uh, that's going to be starting Sunday week. Indeed, Sunday 10th. Super excited about it. And we're going to be talking about it a fair bit next week. So we hope that you'll be tuning in and becoming a part of the end program and particularly sharing it with your friends. Absolutely. Uh, so that's going to be Sharissa and myself going to be presenting that. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Okay, so we're looking at God's method with prophecy. And uh, the important thing that we've noticed so far is that whenever God is going to do something big, he has never, ever in the past neglected to send someone with the gift of prophecy. No. He is about to do the biggest thing outside of his first coming. Indeed. In fact, for the universe, this may be the biggest thing of, you know, I, I, I don't know how, which ones you're going to count as your biggest. Was you know, it, I was the actually, the coming when, or I, the when I was studying years, this, you know, which one do you rate as the biggest? It's kind of hard <laughs> to pick, isn't it? When I was studying this, I tried to, I, I had a thought cross my mind of, of something that, you know, I, I like to relate things to other things to help explain it better. And I thought of a really good analogy for Jesus' return. And that is the COVID-19 that we're in right now. Okay. The end of COVID-19. The end of COVID-19, that when, when everything is back to normal, is sort of like the second coming of Jesus. We don't know when it's going to happen. But we, we know it's going to be soon. But we know it's going to be soon. Yes. And, that, you know, there's signs that we've, that we see around us everywhere that imply that it, it is going to be happening sooner and sooner and sooner. But again, we, we don't know exactly when it's going to be because it's, it's not something that we can, we can judge. It's it, there's there's countless other things at play here that we have to that we've got to wait for to, to pass before it happens. So yeah, that was just a, a little something I thought of uh, this morning in my Bible study, and uh, yeah, a cool, little, a little bit of a comparison. Yeah. Okay, let's look at another method that God has. Okay. With a number of these great events, God has associated them with a time prophecy. So, for instance, uh, the. Egyptian captivity yes. is a time prophecy of 400 years. With the Jewish captivity, there's a time prophecy of 70 years. With the first coming of Jesus, there's a time prophecy of 490 years. Yeah. With every single one of these prophecies, I want you to notice the model that you have. The 400 years, the prophecy is instigated by Abraham, and the fulfillment of that prophecy is guided by Moses. With the 70 years, the prophecy is instigated by Jeremiah 
And the fulfillment of that prophecy is guided by Zechariah and Haggai. With the 490 years, the prophecy is instigated by Daniel, and the fulfillment of that prophecy is guided by John the Baptist. What is the pattern that we've got here? Two people uh, are significant, play significant roles in each. Pro- two prophets, yes, each play significant roles in uh, both the 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 prophecy being initially told and the prophecy being fulfilled. So you've got the gift of prophecy at the beginning of the time prophecy, the gift of prophecy at the end of the time prophecy. Are there any? So Daniel is is a very significant uh, a prophet that we have yes. in our time, and he is known for initiating prophecies. That's right. Is there any prophecy that he that he is part of fulfilling? No, no, he's an apocalyptic prophet. So, so we, like John the Revelator, John and John and Daniel are prophets who are prophesying the end of time. Well, I guess you could say that. No, I, let, let me let me clarify that a little bit. So you've got you know the fall of Babylon happens during Daniel's time. Yes, in John's time, you've got your seven letters to your seven churches, which are directly applicable to those churches at that time even though they are applicable to time periods in history and us as well. So could you say that with the gift of that, that there's two gifts of prophecy? There's the gift of initial prophecy and the gift of fulfilling the prophecy. Um you wouldn't probably you wouldn't probably frame oh, no, it that no, no, way. Here's how you would frame it. You would frame that the gift of you you'd frame it this way. The gift you would say that the gift of prophecy, somebody who has the gift of prophecy is somebody who sees the past and writes about it, who sees the present and writes about it, and who sees the future. And writes about it. So that's what you're going to find. But the model that we're looking at here is the model where you have the gift of prophecy initiates a time prophecy. The gift of prophecy gives guidance at the conclusion of it. And that will typically be one or two at the beginning, one or two at the end. Simple as that. And so we've seen that with the 400-year prophecy. We've seen it with the 70-week, 70-year prophecy. We've seen it with the 490-year prophecy. And here's my question. The 2,300-year prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14, when does that one end? I don't know. That one ends in 1844, which was very, very recently. That's right. And so the question is this, very, very simply... That's the longest time prophecy anywhere in the Bible. It is indeed. You have to ask yourself the question, if God is going to follow his model, and if Jesus is coming soon, we know the gift of prophecy is going to exist in our day, and we know the gift of prophecy is going to arise to give guidance for the fulfillment of the 2,300-year prophecy around 1844. Who was born around, or who was alive around 1844? Well, it kind of gives you, if you if you go back and study your history on this, you're going to have a fairly limited selection. You're going to have Joseph Smith, yep, Andrew Jackson Davis, uh-huh. C. T. Russell, uh-huh. Mary Baker Eddy, yep, or Edgar Casey, right, or Ellen White, or Ellen White. So you've got to put each one of those to the test. Now, not all of them fit in exactly. Ellen White, of course, does. Uh, Joseph Smith, we've already discussed Joseph Smith, and the Bible <laughs> says by their fruits you will know them. Yes. So somebody who created a church that you know has, um, in aspects, pr- uh, promoted polygamy. Andrew Jackson Davis was a spiritualist. Um, Charles C.T. Russell you know, proclaimed that Jesus is a created being and made Jesus, Jesus kind of like a lesser God. Mary Baker Eddy, who said that hygiene in the use of medicine was a deception of Satan. And Edgar Cayce, who was also a spiritualist. 
you know, it doesn't take rocket science to strike those names off the list. Yeah. I would encourage you to go and read for yourself something that Ellen White wrote. Pick any of her books. We've got a, I've got to tell you that yeah. I have seen so many people who have come to Jesus and had their lives powerfully and radically changed and transformed by reading her material uh, that you know I don't even know where to where to stop with sharing that testimony. I can share the testimony of what happened in my life. You know, I'm 15 years old. I'm living in an abandoned apple picker's hut way out in the bush. You know, no running water, no electricity, none of that kind of stuff, kind of all by myself. And there I find a copy of The Great Controversy by Alan White. I'm alone. I'm lost. I have no idea who I am, where I'm going, you know, where my life is going to take me. I sit down and read that by the light of a kerosene lantern and an open fire, and it transformed my life because it led me to Jesus Christ. Indeed. And it led me to the Bible. In fact, there's a whole chapter there called The Scriptures, Our Safeguard. And that was what drove me to study the Bible. That's where I met Jesus and transformed my life. This is, Mary, this is uh, Randy Travis with Here I Am to Worship. Step down into darkness Open my eyes and let me see Beauty that made this heart adore you Hope of a life spent with you Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down here I am to say that you're my God You're altogether lovely, altogether worthy Altogether wonderful to me King of all days, so highly exalted Glorious in heaven above Humbly you came to the earth you created All for love's sake became poor Here I am to worship Here I am to bow down Here I am to say Yeah. Oh, man. 
Faith FM want to encourage you to share God's love with those around you, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Check on your neighbours, especially elderly neighbours, as they may be unable to visit the shops or see family due to quarantines. A note under the door or a letter in the mailbox works too if you want to maintain your distance. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone who might be struggling to get by. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But now there's a new approach to help us be more forgiving. A program called Forgive to Live. It's designed to help us all improve our lives. You'll discover the healing power of forgiveness. A relationship breakdown, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. Through Forgive to Live, you can break this cycle and start living a more forgiving life. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au.
There's a kind of thing that just breaks a man Break him down to his knees God, I've been broken more than a time or two This long, then he picked me up And showed me what it means to be a man Come on and sing Says, can you read that? What what that says, Lyle? What that was, was that? Crowder with all my hope. There we go, featuring Torrin Wells. So it has come time for question of the day. It has indeed. Let's get into it. We've got a lot to cover. All right. So we've got a very we've sort of got a three part question, and we're going to answer this, these questions over the next three days. And the first quest, the first part of this question for today is: What was the spirit of Elijah that Elisha wanted a double portion? Of? Oh, that's a really so this, good question, right this there. This comes from yesterday when we we're talking about because the this spirit. is something we all should be praying for. All right, so. In the Bible, we talked about the Spirit, and we particularly, if you go back through the podcast, you will note that when we talked about the Spirit, I used the word, the human spirit. And the reason that I used that particular word is because in the Bible, there is more than just the human spirit. The Bible describes the human spirit as being the breath of life, and there's a lot of depth that we could go into on that subject as well. However, let's think about what other spirits there are in the Bible. You have three different spirits in the Bible. You have the human spirit, the breath of life. You have the Holy Spirit, which is the third member or the third person of the Godhead. And we'll talk about that as part of question of the day, probably on Monday. Uh, Then you have ministering spirits. You find that in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 13. And they are angels. So which one did Elisha want a portion of? Well, clearly not the human spirit because he already had that because he was already alive. He has the gift of life, the breath of life. Uh, Not the ministering spirits. No, this is the Holy Spirit. And so Elijah had the Holy Spirit with great power. He was one of the most significant prophets of the Old Testament. He had the gift of prophecy through the Holy Spirit. And in particular, this was something that Elisha wanted to have a double portion of. And he didn't want it in a proud or a powerful way. He wanted it in a way that he simply wanted to serve God. Now, what's interesting about the spirit of Elijah 
and the power that comes with the Holy Spirit that comes from Elijah is a prophecy in relationship to that that you find in the book of Malachi. Let me just flick over here real quick. Right at the end of Malachi, there are these cryptic words where it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the heart of the fathers to the children, the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And so here you have this prophecy of Elijah returning before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And the Jewish people in the time of Jesus lived with an expectation of the literal return of Elijah. If we go over to uh, the book of Luke and we go to Luke chapter uh, 9 and verse 18, the Bible says, and it came to pass, as Jesus was alone praying, his disciples were with him, and he asked them, saying, Who do people say that I am? And they answered, saying, uh, said John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others say one of the other old prophets has risen again. And so they had this view, they had this mindset, they were looking for the literal return of Elijah. But that's not what the Bible was teaching here. If you go over to Matthew chapter 11, so Matthew chapter 11 is where we're heading to now, verse 13 and 14. Jesus clarifies it for us. He says, For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John the Baptist. And if you will receive it, this is Elijah which was to come. So Jesus says, look, John the Baptist came in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Therefore, he fulfills that prophecy. However, when they asked John the Baptist whether he was the fulfillment of the prophecy, he said, no, I'm not. So which one was true? Obviously, both of them are true because the Bible says that it will take place before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. If you go to Revelation chapter 6 now, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 17 over here, you find a description of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And it says, for the great day of his wrath is come and who will be able to stand? That's the second coming of Jesus. And so the actual prophecy here finds its final fulfillment just before Jesus comes back. So if we look at Malachi's prophecy, the first prophet to come in the spirit and power of Elijah was Elisha. The next one that the Bible specifically refers to is uh, John the Baptist. But the thrust of the prophecy is actually our day, the gift of prophecy in our day. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, Gabriel, when he quotes the prophecy of Malachi, rewords it and says, Many of the children of Israel shall return to their Lord their God to prepare for the return, to prepare for the coming of Jesus. And that is our work today, to have the spirit and power of Elijah, the Holy Spirit filling us to prepare a people for the return of Jesus Christ. And I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, one of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. There's a man going round taking names And he decides who to free and who to blame Everybody won't be treated all the same There'll be a golden ladder reaching down When the man comes around 
on your arm will stand up at the terror in each sip and in each sup. Will you partake of that last offered cup or disappear into the potter's ground when the man comes around? Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers, one hundred million angels singing, multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum. Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree The virgins are all trimming their wicks The whirlwind is in the thorn tree it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks Till Armageddon, no shalom, no shalom Then the father hen will call his chickens home The wise men will bow down before the throne And at his feet they'll cast their golden crowns is unjust, let him be unjust still. Whoever is righteous, let him be righteous still. Whoever is filthy, let him be filthy still. Listen to the words long written down. When the man comes around. Hear the trumpets, hear the pipers. One hundred million angels singing Multitudes are marching to the big kettle drum Voices calling, voices crying Some are born and some are dying It's Alpha and Omega's kingdom come And the whirlwind is in the thorn tree Virgins are all trimming their wicks. The whirlwind is in the thorn tree. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. In measured a hundredweight and penny pound. So after listening to Johnny Cash with The Man Comes Around, what could we offer for our free offer today other than a pale horse ride by Sean Boonstra? Sean Boonstra, how fitting is that? Yes, indeed. Okay, so in this book right here, you're going to get a look at a barbarian tribe who received the gospel directly from the Apostle Paul and then preserve it in obscurity 
in a remote part of the world. Dear me, everything's tied together quite nicely today, isn't it? Most, little- people, most people think that uh, Paul wrote his his letters, his epistles, I should say, to either people or churches. But there's one epistle that was written to a tribe. A tribe. See if you can guess which one it is. There's a little bit of a uh, trivia question for you today. Bragging rights, if you can call up and tell us uh, which one was actually a tribe rather than a city. Uh, however, we have come to the end of our day. And that, is, that is the co- That is the book we're giving away, A Pale Horse Rides by Sean Boonstra. So first caller through is going to get this one. 1-800-324-843 is the number to call or text us on 0491-064-669. That is 1-800-FAITH-FM or 0491-064-669. Yeah, coming up tomorrow, we've got our Bible study, our, our live interactive Bible study. So uh, that's from 9.30 to 10.30. So make sure you get involved in that and make sure as you go throughout your day today, don't forget to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will go strong in Jesus Christ. God be with you till we meet again.
Faith FM, Australia's positively different radio station. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. There's a train coming. You don't need no baggage. You just get on board. All you need is faith to hear the diesel humming. You don't need no ticket. You just thank the Hey. 